Welcome to John Talking Jesus in a Jetta with Java. So I'm in my Jetta today and I'm John and talking Jesus and well once again I am Javaless. I have water for the drive home. No news on anything. I, I, actually there's a book. Um, I wrote a book called The Road, The Long Road to Bethlehem. It's an Advent book, Advent devotional, and it's available on Amazon if you are looking for something to read. It's sort of a deep dive into uh, three particular prophetic instances that lead up to uh, the birth, life, and death of Christ. Um, and I'll say more about it next week. So this week, without further ado, we are looking at a particular piece of scripture where uh, Dr. Luke was writing about the things that Jesus taught to people. Remember, these are all just things that people wrote because uh, they wanted to write about this guy they met called Jesus. Uh, except Luke. Luke didn't meet Jesus. He met people who met Jesus. Anyway, uh, this is from Luke's uh, account of the life of Jesus, which it, he says is carefully researched because there were a lot of people saying a lot of things. So he decided to sit down and do an orderly, well-researched account of what happened, because it's crazy and amazing. So I, for one, being the person I am, appreciate a carefully researched and orderly account. So here's what Jesus said in, uh, later on they added chapters and verses to this stuff, so we could navigate it. In the beginning it was just a pamphlet, basically. Uh, so this is Luke uh, chapter 17, beginning of verse 1, and Jesus is talking, and he says to his disciples, Temptations to sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, than should he cause one of these little ones to sin. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. The apostles said to Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus said, if you had faith like a grain of mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. And Jesus continued with another little example. Will any of you who has a servant plowing or keeping sheep say to him when he comes in from the field, please come and sit at the table and let me serve you. Wouldn't you rather say, now that you're done in the fields, prepare my supper, dress appropriately, and serve me uh, my dinner, and then afterwards you can have your dinner. And does he thank the servant just because he did what he commanded? Well, he might if he's nice, but he doesn't have to, right? So also, when you have done all these things that you're commanded, say, we are unworthy servants, we have only done our duty. So that's where we're going today. If someone comes to you seven times in one day and says, I've changed my mind, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Jesus says you must forgive them. And the disciples respond, increase our faith, which might be the most intelligent thing the disciples said uh, prior to the Holy Spirit coming on them at Pentecost. Um, so anyway, uh, so we're driving along. Uh, I did not read that while I was driving, of course, but uh, you're sitting right here next to me and we're having a conversation and I'm glad you're here. So we're talking today about forgiveness and we're going to be talking about this for the next two or three weeks, uh, forgiveness and uh, reconciliation and things like this, because the Bible has a lot to say about it and frankly, 
it's uh, a lot to say that is wise and brings uh, freedom to our souls, which is what Jesus said he came to bring. In fact, he said, if you get the freedom that he gives, that's like the true, real freedom. So this that we're gonna be looking at is, is part of that real freedom. So uh, that's where we're going. And since we're talking about uh, forgiveness and, and people saying they're sorry and all that stuff, I thought I would begin by telling you what happened to me yesterday. So sometimes people doing things that hurt your feelings and stuff, it's really big. And sometimes it's really small, but sometimes the bigness and smallness doesn't really <clears throat> doesn't really change the amount of like internal stuff that goes on. Uh, sometimes the smallest little things can cause the biggest unrest inside you. And so here's what happened yesterday. My wife was going garage sailing and my son was invited over to his friend's house in the middle of the morning and my wife was leaving early. So I saw her before she left and, you know, we talked about what time he needed to get up and stuff like that in order to make it. And so I'm uh, just plugging away at my work and doing that kind of thing. And then uh, I didn't have my tech, my phone with me, but it turns out I got a couple of texts from my wife reminding me about what time he was supposed to be there and what time he would need to get up and his morning routine and stuff. And then uh, since I didn't respond, she also texted Judge, my son, because she wanted to make sure he made his play date. And uh, as I, when I realized she had been, uh, you know, reminding everybody, I thought, what are you, my mother? <laughs> I'm not proud of what I thought. All she wanted to do is make sure my son got to his play date. But I thought, what are you, my mother? <laughs> and uh, I didn't say anything. And that's really... That's, that's the point this whole story hinges on. I didn't say anything. I just carried it around with me uh, during the day. And I was, um, I mean, I wasn't like totally off, but I was a little off, a little quieter, kind of low energy, maybe even sullen at a couple points in time, but I was also tired and I have some other things. So it's not all this little thing. But anyway, uh, it, was, it, it, was, uh, it was something standing between my wife and I, this hurt feeling that I had that she was treating me like a child. Um, but I didn't say anything. And uh, by the afternoon, she's like asking me if there's anything wrong. And I said, no, there's nothing wrong. I don't know why I said, no, there's nothing wrong. But I did, which in retrospect, I recognize was not, was just a lie. There was something wrong and I didn't want to tell her. Um, you know, I just didn't want to tell her seemed like a small thing seemed like I should be able to forget it I know she wasn't thinking how can I how can I make my son feel like my <laughs> there he, now that's a Freudian slip right there <laughs> I know she wasn't thinking how can I make my husband feel like an eight-year-old uh, and yet I just didn't want to tell her what I was feeling probably because I felt like I shouldn't feel that way right but just because you feel like you shouldn't feel a way doesn't mean you're not actually feeling that way so one of the upsides or downsides, depending on who you are and how you want to live your life, of preaching is that if you're going to be preaching about something, you better be living it. And so, and sometimes, and I don't know if it's just because I'm aware of certain things, because they're on my mind, because I'm working on a sermon on them or whatever, 
but sometimes it seems like the very subject of the sermon happens to me uh, before the sermon and it, it does uh, it keeps me humble which is good so uh, my, uh, I, my feelings were hurt by my wife and I didn't say anything even when I was given the opportunity and then this morning before I was leaving I was like oh gosh I'm preaching on this today I can't go preach on it and not do it so I better just tell her so I said Kelly my feelings were hurt yesterday when um, you texted me and stuff I'm not saying that you were trying to make me feel that way I'm just telling you that that's how I felt and actually I owe you an apology because I was feeling that way all day long and I never told you and that's not right and so you don't need to know the rest of the reconciliatory conversation but suffice it to say it, it was all better uh, the weight was lifted and that that's kind of that's like the first point of forgiveness really is um, when you forgive you're lifting a weight off yourself so my question for you uh, is and I and as you listen I'd sure be interested in your comments on what I have to say about forgiveness and reconciliation uh, and if you're watching it on YouTube, there's the place to comment. If you are, um, if you're listening to a podcast, you could go to the YouTube channel, or you can go to journeyoflife.org because they're all posted there. Um, but I'd love to hear back from you, or you can just email me, John at journeyoflife.org. So, uh, so uh, that's something that happened to me. Where I had actually done something uh, against, I felt like my wife had done something against me. She really hadn't. What had happened is I felt like she had done something against me, but she hadn't. My nose was out of joint, and I did something against her—a real, actual thing—by lying to her about what I was feeling. So Jesus says that um, if uh, if someone comes to you, says I'm sorry. You must forgive them. And if they do that seven times in one day, you must forgive them. That's, I, okay, well, you know, if someone says they're sorry, you have to forgive them. I'm cool with that. That's fine. Seven times in one day, one day. You gotta, don't, don't just like make this some textbook metaphorical example. Make it real. Think of something that somebody could do that might hurt your feelings or be something against you and somehow, and imagine them doing that at 10 o'clock, and then doing it at noon, and then at two, and then at four, and each time they've come back to say they're sorry again, and you, Jesus says you have to say, I forgive you. That's 10, 12, two, and four. That's only four times. Six, eight, and 10 o'clock at night, Every two hours, they do the same thing, and then they say, you know what, I'm sorry, I thought about it again, I shouldn't have done it, will you forgive me? Jesus says, you have to forgive them every time. You have to forgive them every time, which is just nutty. I mean, I, maybe it's not nutty, maybe it doesn't seem nutty to you, but I think on the whole, in, in general, uh, that's not a natural thing to do. So, if you've had times when uh, you have had difficulty or have chosen not to forgive people for something, this is kind of your message. 
And the first thing I would like to point out from the actual text is that Jesus says, pay attention to yourselves. Pay attention to yourselves. So that is going to tell us what the focus of this whole passage is. And it's going to be you. See, we think that it's about the other person. But what the forgiveness, the forgiveness idea, what we're going to talk about, is all about y'all. Not about somebody else. Y'all is singular, by the way. All y'all is plural, in case you don't speak South. And I only speak a little bit of South. Do you speak South or do you speak Southern? I don't know. Anyway, pay attention to yourselves. If someone hurts you, what does Jesus say? If someone harms you, whose responsibility is it to talk to them, to make the first move, to try to make it right? Jesus says, if someone sins against you, you go talk to them. So it's, if someone does something against you, like my wife is, over the past day, how would my wife even know that my feelings were hurt from something she said? She can't read my mind. So if someone does something against you, you, got, you just got to go tell them. So that, that, in that way, it's your responsibility. Now, on the flip side, if you've done something that hurts someone else, whose responsibility is it? Well, it's yours again, right? <laughs> That's where we're gonna find out. It's always our response. If there's a broken relationship, if there's something standing between me and somebody else, it's my responsibility to do something about it. Uh, in Matthew 18, not Matthew 18, in Matthew some other, is it five or 15? Anyway, Jesus said, if you're in church and you're ready to give your offering, and you remember that somebody has something against you, that you did something to hurt or harm somebody else, Jesus didn't say, make sure you go there right after church. He said, drop your offering right where it is, leave church, go reconcile with the person, and then come back and give the offering. And the reason is the people are always the most important. The people are always the most important. So, Jesus says, if something's broken between you and another person, do something about it. If it's their, if the, if they are the, if the fault's theirs, they did something to hurt or harm you, then you do something about it. If you did something to hurt or harm someone else, you do something about it. It's kind of like some people get stuck if they it, it get a little mentally stuck if they get in like a, a car accident or something where like it breaks their legs or whatever, and then they have to go through. And I'm not making light of this at all. Please don't get me wrong. I'm not making light of the fact that somebody else wasn't paying attention and ran into you and broke your legs. That's not what I'm doing. What I'm saying is the fault may be theirs, but there is nobody but you who can take responsibility for fixing your legs, for, uh, for throwing yourself into the physical therapy, for getting the operations you need, or whatever it is. Regardless of who hurt your body, you're the one who must take responsibility for your healing. You're the only one who can. Likewise, if there's a break between you and another person, they might have done it, you might have done it, it might have felt like they did it, and it turned out that you did it, like me with my wife this morning, it needs to be undone. The break needs to be undone, and you go try and undo it. That's what Jesus is saying. 
And if someone comes to you, if so, if someone recognizes they hurt or harmed you, and they come to you and ask for forgiveness, Jesus says, you must forgive them. You must. It's not, it would be a good idea to forgive them. You must forgive them. And so they're you know, and seven times in one day, yes. Must. It's the, the idea, so the idea here that Jesus is pushing us towards is the idea of trusting God enough to forgive other people, to leave there, we human beings naturally per perceive that there's a universal sense of justice and balance that needs to be maintained. And we know this from very little. When you're three years old and someone hits you, what do you do? What do you get to do? What's the right thing to do? What is your right? It is to hit them back. The scales of universal justice need to remain balanced. And Jesus is saying that you need to trust God with that. So when he's saying you must forgive, you must trust God to take care of those universal scales of balance. That's why increase our faith is probably a pretty good, uh, pretty good perspective, really. So this idea of forgiving people, let me give you the best definition of forgiveness I've ever heard. We have this universal sense of justice, right? The best definition of forgiveness I've ever heard is this. Giving up your right to get even. We recognize that if someone has hurt or harmed us, we have the right to get even. Nobody says you shouldn't have done that in like the, 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 the moral justice sense if you hit somebody back after they hit you. We might say that's not the right way to live or whatever, but we recognize the keeping of balance, the universal scales of balance, and forgiveness is giving up your right to get even. And what we're going to find out is forgiveness is actually giving up the burden of carrying around weight inside of you, heaviness in your spirit. So, Jesus says you must forgive. I want to re uh, rehearse with you, and I think we did this before, uh, the idea, there's sort of three levels of motivation. One is the level of uh, do something or you'll be punished. Do something or there will be bad consequences. The second is sort of authority. Do something because it's the right thing to do. And it could be you have a sense that it's the right thing to do or somebody tells you it's the right thing to do. And then there's another one where it's the best thing to do. So, and... Everybody's at different levels. <coughs> There's no judgment on any level. Jesus uses all three of these motivations to uh, move people to being forgiving people. So he did tell a story that is sort of the consequence punishment orientated story. He said there was a, a rich man to whom uh, another man owed a huge sum of money. It was like hundred million dollars because he's telling a story right so it's hyperbole he owes the guy a hundred million dollars somehow he ended up that much in debt and he goes to the guy and starts crying because his wife his whole family is going to be sold into slavery and everything right 
and he starts crying and pleading and saying, have mercy on me, I'll pay you back every penny, I promise. Which of course is ludicrous, because the debt is an unpayable debt. And it says that the rich guy had mercy on him, and he took his little accounting sheet and he ripped it in half, and he stuck it in the trash can. He said, I forgive your debt, get out of here. Which is awesome, totally awesome, right? Can you imagine? So the guy goes out, and as he's wandering, uh, leaving the leaving the palace, he runs into a guy who owes him a hundred bucks, and he starts choking him, which is a universal sign uh, uh, in this time day and age. It's the sign of uh, it's a threat of using power over someone else, and he says, "Pay me what you owe me, or else." Basically, and uh, in the story, Jesus tells the servants who saw what happened were disturbed. Of course they were disturbed. This guy just got forgiven $10 million and now he's going to throw somebody in jail over 100 bucks. So they go tell the rich guy. And the rich guy sends his, you know, guards. It might have been a king or whatever in the story. Anyway, he sends his people to go bring that guy back in. And he says, what's this I hear about you? I forgave you all that money? And you couldn't forgive your fellow brother a little bit of money? And then he reaches in to his, you know, wastebasket from 2,000 years ago, pulls out whatever version of scotch tape they had 2,000 years ago, and tapes the uh, tapes the bill back together and puts it back on his pegboard accounting sheet and says, you know what, I do not forgive your debt. I, you, and now you're going to prison until you pay back every penny. So, and Jesus ends that parable by saying, so, you better forgive other people, because if you don't forgive people, God's not going to forgive you. That's the punishment motivation. Maybe you need that. Maybe you just need to say, oh crap, I better, I better not like walk around like I'm all that and be holding grudges against people and keeping track, uh, because if, if I keep track of other people, God's keeping track of me, and that's not going to go well. Maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need the middle one, the, the sort of trust and authority one. And that's the one we get today, right? Jesus says you must forgive them. You must forgive them. So that's kind of the that one. But then you get to the even higher one, and I'm going to tell you what you find out. The, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, it's, another, it's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth uh, about how to live well, about how to follow Christ. And so in this particular, it wasn't a chapter when he wrote it, it was just a letter, but we've made it into a chapter. Uh, so we can find it again, right? Instead of just saying, look, it's about three quarters of the way through the letter. Uh, that When you study something a lot, you end up with an indexing system. So in this letter, Paul wrote to the Christians in Corinth about how to follow Christ. He writes this one uh, paragraph, which is about love which has become 1 Corinthians 13. And one of the things it says is love keeps no record of wrongs. And here's the key. Here's the thing I want to tell you. Everything Jesus tells you to do is for your own good and it turns out to be the best thing to do. Let me say that again. Everything that Jesus tells you to do is for your own good and turns out to be the best thing to do. Because Paul writes in this letter to the Christian follower, Christ followers in Corinth, Love keeps no record of wrongs. When you keep a record of wrongs, you are carrying around a weight that you do not need to carry. You do not need to keep a record of that. It's not going to help you to hold on to your unforgiveness. It's not going to help you in any way. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So what you're going to find, if, if, if you can hear that you need to forgive people, that you need to give up your right to get even, what you're going to find is it feels good. And pretty soon, it's actually going to become natural to forgive people, to not walk around trying to keep the universal scales of justice balanced. You just let it go. Now, I can feel my own brain saying things when I say that, and uh, so your brain is probably saying something too. Like, well, you can't just do that. People will walk all over you. You know, like, so someone steals from me and I say, I forgive you, here's the combination of my safe? No. That would be what the Bible calls foolish in many circumstances. We're gonna talk about that next week. And so that's the other thing I would like to just offer you today uh, by way of a little freedom for your soul, is there is a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is me, reconciliation is we. Forgiveness is about my attitude toward the wrongs that have been done to me. Forgiveness is really the way I move through the world. Reconciliation is whether the damage to a relationship has been repaired. And that takes two people. Now, if you become or grow toward a person that other people know as a forgiver, that can enable people to come to you and ask for forgiveness because it's much easier to ask forgiveness from someone that you know as a forgiving spirit than to ask forgiveness from somebody who you believe is just gonna blast you in the face again, right? Nonetheless, there is a difference between not asserting your right to get even, giving up your right to get even, that's forgiveness, and reconciling the relationship. So we're gonna talk about reconciling the relationship the other some other day, probably next week. Right now, what I wanna do is just reiterate again and continue to put forward to you the idea of living your life in love, living your life not keeping a record of wrongs, not hold, not a, a life of giving up your right, and it feels like a right, and in the universal scales of justice it is, giving up your right to get even. That doesn't mean you're lying about things, doesn't mean you're pretending things didn't happen. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, when you forgive, you fully acknowledge the hurt or harm that's been caused, and then, and we'll talk about this too, there might be restitution involved and all that kind of stuff, but John, another follower of Christ who also wrote an account of the life of Christ, his is very interpretive. He wants you to know who Jesus really is and what Jesus is all about. Uh, Luke really kind of writes what happened and what Jesus taught, and Luke, and John, excuse me, tries to tell you what's going on behind the scenes, look behind the curtain. And what he says is that the law came through Moses, the idea of what right and wrong is and stuff like that, and that doesn't mean that other people didn't give us moral legal codes too, but in the Jewish context, the law came through Moses, and then this is the universal truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So if you're gonna be a follower of Christ, grace and truth are gonna be the way you move through the world as well. Paul says the same thing 
he says uh, in one of his letters to followers of Christ somewhere, uh, we grow up in Christ, we grow to be like Christ, as we speak the truth in love. So, the point of this whole thing that we're going through is the idea of forgiveness, of not keeping a record of wrongs, of giving up your right to get even, and making that a habit, making that the way you move through life. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. That's that the good news the word gospel, if you've heard the gospel, it just means good news. Literally, that's what the word gospel means, good news. And if Jesus came with a new set of rules, a different set of rules to follow to make God happy, that wouldn't be good news because there's lots of good systems of rules out there about how to live well. There's lots of people who have uh, looked at life with wisdom and compassion and figured out how to live well. The Bible doesn't have, it, the Bible doesn't have a, uh, a lock hold on all things wise and good and true and compassionate. What the Bible is, is a story of Jesus who came not with a good law, not with a good code. Well, there is a good code, but the, the foundation of the whole thing is not here's how to live. The foundation of the whole thing is that here's how God looks at you. The foundation of the whole thing is grace, grace and truth, that you are forgiven, that God is not keeping a record of your wrongs that God is not holding anything against you, that God has given up God's right to get even, whatever that, and that would be a stronger right because you're, because whatever right you think you have to get even with somebody else as a fellow human, if there is a God who created us all and we're all, we have all quite gone stray, then how much more would God have a right to deal harshly with us? So, that's where we're left. We want to grow toward a life where we just don't keep record of wrongs. Where forgiveness is, instead of our knee-jerk response to being to get back, forgiveness is our automatic response. And we don't walk around holding the weight of unforgiveness, that weight of bitterness. Uh, that doesn't mean the relationship is restored. And that's where we're going next week. So. This has been John talking Jesus in a Jetta with Java. Only it's John talking Jesus in a Jetta with Agua today. <laughs>
There we go. No, no. Thanks for taking a ride with me. Oh, there it is. Have a great week. Bye-bye.